I want to share with you a little bit of my heart, my personal testimony. I always hesitate to do that, but I'm, I just feel led of God to do it, so I'm going to do it today. Uh, take your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 37. Isaiah chapter 37, verse 31 is our text verse. The Assyrians came up against Hezekiah, and uh, a guy by the name of Rabshakeh, which was an orator, orator. and he uh, he discouraged the people with his speech to them, and that's the context of where we're going on this. And basically, God said, Hezekiah, because of your faith, I'm going to the Assyrians are never going to set foot in this city. They're not going to destroy it. They're not going to take it. In fact, they're going to be driven away. And you guys aren't going to have to do anything. God, I'm going to do it for you. But we need that in America. We need God to come to America like he came to Hezekiah. Because we're not able to do it. But God is. He said, there's nothing too hard for me. My arm's not shortened and it cannot save. And nothing looked as any nothing looked any dimmer than what was looking right here to Hezekiah. This was as dim as it gets, further than where we are for sure. And God delivered those folks. And then he, he makes a statement here that caught me, and it's just it was a principle of spiritual growth. Now you wouldn't think that you would find a principle of spiritual growth in Isaiah chapter 37. But here it is, verse 31. The remnant that is escaped of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. And I want to spend the rest of the time talking about that principle of going down before you go up. The principle of spiritual growth and the way God deals with us. Father, we pray that you'd come. I'm unable to do this unworthy to do it, really. But you said this is the time to do it, and pray, God, that you would now move with the Holy Spirit and help this to come across the way you intended it to or you want it to. There's somebody in this, a few people possibly in this auditorium, this is for specifically, possibly on the Internet, they're listening in, or we'll hear this uh, on the web page later on. My God, just take it. It's your word, the preached word. It's the foolishness of preaching. Save them that believe. Do what you would have it to do in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we see you take root downward before you bear fruit upward. I'm going to go back to my college days with you a little bit. I was a junior in college uh, as I, I squeezed seven years of undergraduate work into, I squeezed four years, excuse me, of undergraduate work into seven. I can't even say it right. I squeezed four years of work. Most people went through this program in four years. It took me seven years. Not because I was dumb, which is what you're sitting there thinking. Man, that preacher must have been some kind of dumb. No. But I was poor. And I was paying as I went, and I'd run out of money. I'd have to work a year to go about three semesters, and then I'd run out of money again and work another year, and then be able to go another three semesters. I was married with a child on my own, living in the town of uh, Taylor, South Carolina, in a little trashy little mobile home and in a little kind of a trailer neighborhood. 
whatever that is. I, would get, I got to be a junior. I couldn't believe that. I got to be a junior. The talk began. I began to hear talk like, where are you going to go after school, brother? What are you going to do after school? Well, already, my scenario was much different than most of the young men I was around. You know, most of them were 18 to 22. At 22, they graduated. They got called. They got called. Um, and then they were gone and in their ministry for life. These were God-called men. I had a privilege of being around them who knew that God had wanted them to go into what we call full-time Christian service, which bothers me a little bit. Everybody saves full-time. Where you, get your, where you get your money to pay your bills shouldn't define whether you're full-time or not, but that's kind of the way it is. But they were going for a full-time Christian service. They were sacrificing deeply to go to school. The people I hung around were... Many of them had families living in shacks for homes, and I mean that. They were giving up their future earning power, giving up their retirement, giving up the skills they had in other areas, and many of them were skilled in other areas they could have made good livings at. And they were eating mac and cheese, many of them, seven days a week, with maybe once in a while some hot dogs in it. And they all began to wonder, coming up to their senior year, we call it senior panic. Senior panic. And what about finding a wife? It was about finding a ministry. Where is God going to call me? I've gone to school, done all this. Where is God want to call me? So the comments, and they increased in number and in severity, like, and more frequently. When are you, when are you moving, brother? When are you moving? Uh, what position are you going to take? Who, who's, uh, what part of the country did you get called into by God? Do, do you have any leads? Has anyone, has anyone got in touch with you? And increasingly, harder it was, but I said, no, nobody's called me yet. God has not opened the door for me yet. I don't know where I'm going. So what happens is the pressure comes to make something happen, to make something happen of your flesh and not wait upon the Lord. I believe one of the hardest commands of all Scripture is to wait upon God. And I don't say that by theory. I'm telling you by life. It's tough to wait on God. You wonder, are you coming? Oftentimes, you that are surfers out there, there's a thing called hanging 10. That's when you put your 10 toes off the end of the surfboard. And when you can do that, you really have accomplished something. And uh, God will make you hang 10, brother. He, he will put it through. He'll bring you to the scariest times and things that look, look like, just like Hezekiah. It looked like all was lost. Everything's lost. The whole thing's gone, shot. We got a massive army out here. We got nothing. They got everything. We're shot, but, they, but we have God. And if God be for us, who can be against us? And so I knew a young man that... Uh, Jumped on God, meaning he took something too soon. He didn't. He needed more growth downward before he had fruit upward. And I preached. I was asked to preach in a church in Sumner, South Carolina. I don't know if you know where Sumner is. It's a sweet little place, Sumner, South Carolina. And I preached Sunday morning, Sunday night there. The pulpit committee met before I left and went home to Greenville. South Carolina, and they said, we'd like you to be our senior pastor. 
And man, you don't know how much I wanted that. I was uh, in grad school at the time, and I was finishing up that area, and I thought, boy, this will be perfect. I'll be able to stay in South Carolina. I, I kind of like the state of South Carolina some. And my wife didn't want to leave South Carolina. I had to drag her out of there by her. But, um, you know, South Carolina's got a magnetism to it, especially up there in Greenville where all them, the young people were. I said, no, we didn't come to Greenville to stay in Greenville. We came to Greenville to get prepared to help somebody somewhere else. And so this young man, I came back. We used to have a meeting at 7 a.m. every morning. We'd go to a coffee shop, and all the, uh, we, we were town students. We were married town students. And so there was about 600 of us. And we'd meet in the coffee shop, and uh, we'd you know, debate theology, and we'd sharpen our sword, I called it. it, was, it, was, it everybody would challenge you about everything. So we were being challenged on our left and our right, and we'd have to defend it, or you wouldn't be able to defend it. You'd go back and figure out why you didn't. You could. And so we had coffee and had good, that was a great time, by the way. I did that the whole time I was there, seven to eight. First class was at eight, so about 10 minutes till you go to class. So when the, there was a certain coffee shop talk that went on. I said, I'd, oh, I've been to Sumner, a church down there, and they wanted me to come, and God wouldn't let me. I had a no from God on that, real definitive no. I wasn't ready. Of course, I'm older than everybody I'm talking to almost because I told you it took me seven years. So everybody else is like 22, and I'm like 26, 27. And so uh, I'm the old guy among them. And a friend, I, one of the guys, one of the seniors there, heard he had senior panic real bad. He said, hey, I'd love to go down there and preach at that church. I gave him the guy's phone number, name. He went down to South Carolina, and he preached at something. And the church, guess what? He preached Sunday morning, Sunday night, the Pulvacity Committee. Man, it was a small work out in the country, humble work. And they called the boy to be a senior pastor. He came back to the, on the Monday, came back with a coffee at 7 a.m. at a coffee shop. And he said, hey, they called me to be pastor. I go, man, I'd be careful. I'd just be real careful. Are you really ready to be a senior pastor? That's a, uh, somewhat of a problematic little church. They've had a number of different pastors. And are you really, you know, don't go unless God tells you to go. And he said, oh, man, I'm, this is an opportunity. I took it. And uh, about six uh, six months later, I saw the guy. He was broken. He was a shell of a man. Uh, that group had broken him, ripped his guts out, and sent him back to Bob Jones University, defeated and despondent. He did not have enough root downward to be able to have fruit upward. Uh, it just wasn't the right timing. Timing's everything in God's plan. There's a time for you to be where you are and then to move on to something else. And God will show you. Um, in 1980, this church organized together with, with uh, Jim McCullum primarily and Ernie Stewart were the two main deacons that helped organize this group. They asked me to preach for them the third Sunday and the fifth Sunday, so I did. I'd currently been working with Community Baptist Church, uh, Richard Anderson, and it, my time there was over, and I was hunting for some place to minister. I was still working full-time in carpet and floor-covering installation, which I did for 17 years. I always tell preachers, I've been on my knees a lot more than you have. And so uh, I was hoping that God would let me off my knees and let me get into the ministry in a full-time capacity, but it wasn't happening. And so I was willing to do what he wanted me to do when he wanted me to do it. 
And you'll know why I'm saying all this in a minute. So 1980, they asked me to preach the third Sunday they met together. They met in the Shangri-La down there at the southern part of town. And we met in a little rented building there in Shangri-La. Had about 25 people. Gospel Baptist Church wasn't even named yet, by the way. And uh, that little group of people. And I preached fifth Sunday for them. And I got a call from Jim McCullum, which was a sweet man. He's in heaven. Ernie's in heaven. That whole group's in heaven almost. And so... I got a call, and they said, Preacher uh, Bill, we'd love to have you come and be our senior pastor. And, oh, I went to God, and I thought, this is it. This is it. Man, oh, man, I'm ready to go. This is it. So I got with God and started praying, and I nothing. No. I kept getting no, no, no. I said, come on, God, come on. I'm ready to do this. No. I went to Jimmy, and I said, Jim, I'm not ready yet. And Jim said, okay, preacher. But I said, Jim, would you let me come and serve as assistant pastor? But you don't even have a pastor yet, but I'll just be an assistant with you, and I'll I'll work for free. Who can turn that down? I'll I'll still lay carpet, and I'll be assistant, because they were small. I couldn't afford to pay me and anything, and so... We, uh, for, how long did I do that? <laughs> 11 and a half years. 11 and a half years. What God was doing was teaching me about growing downward. So someday there could be fruit upward. But if you jump too soon, And get out of the will of God, you won't bear fruit the way he wants you to. And so I was content and satisfied with what God did for me. I went there. I had a whole library at the house. And I said to my my, I said to God one day, I got this wonderful library here and I don't have any place to use it. He didn't say anything. Just wait. You may be in a position right now where you wonder why God's doing what he's doing. You know my advice to you? Wait. Wait, don't jump too soon. Wait on God. He says yes. This is it. This was the third opportunity I turned down. Many many would have panicked uh, upon that moment and would have quit possibly on God and said I can't wait any longer. My wife was pretty much happy with it because she told me she never did marry a preacher. She married a businessman. Are you here, Kathy? God bless you. She's a sweet woman. I'm not criticizing her by saying that. I'm just saying that, you know, normally somebody that was a preacher's wife would say, well, man, I married a preacher, and he's not a priest. You know, he's he's still laying carpet, uh, still laying floor covering. And Yeah, that's right. I knew God had called me. I just didn't know when. The timing was the deal. I'm going to talk to you about three men real briefly, and this is brief. The three men in the Bible, that just similar things happened to them. How God delayed their calling, even though they knew they were called, God delayed their calling. First, I want to talk to you about Moses. In the book of Acts, chapter 7, 
Moses went to his people. He was a full 40 years old. A 40-year-old's 40, 40 in his prime, man. I mean, 40, 40 to 75. I used to say 40 to 50. Then I went 40 to 60. Now I'm 40 to 75. No one turns 75, I'm 40 to 80. Yes, there's your life. <laughs> but uh, this verse in Acts chapter 7, verse 25. For he supposed his brethren would have understood that God by his hand would deliver them, but they understood not. They didn't get it. He didn't get it. He had to be patient. He was 40 years old. He was educated in all the wisdom of Egypt. He was ready to go and lead them. God had told him evidently clearly that he was to lead the children of Israel. He knew he had a call from God, and he got to be 40 years old, and he thought, this is it. This is the time. But it wasn't a time. He murdered a guy, killed a guy, I should say, you know, was trying to kill somebody else. And he was driven into the wilderness of the desert. Moses did not understand how long and in depth that God's growth program was going to be. He probably thought as he was out in that old desert attending them sheep, here I am with a PhD in all the knowledge of Egypt. I'm ready to lead the people out. Here I am in the desert. With sheep. Now, I don't know if you know how, how sheep are, but they're nasty. They get wet. They stink, stank, stunk. I mean, they're nasty. That wool, man, gets wet. And whoo, that's some nasty smelling stuff. The only thing you can say in the desert probably doesn't rain a lot, so that's probably good. But he was attending sheep there. Oh, he could have said, all my training in school wasted. All my degrees and specialty courses in Egypt wasted. All my talent, best years of my life 40 to 80, wasted. No, Moses, God is growing you downward so that you can bear some fruit upward. Remember this when you read the Bible. These people didn't know the end of the story. Moses didn't know the end of the story. He was driven into the wilderness to keep from being killed by the Egyptians, and he didn't know. He didn't know there's going to be a burning bush. Forty now, I don't know. I don't know about you, but forty years in about anybody's books a long time. Come on, how many here have been married forty years? Raise your hand. You know what sufferings is, don't you? <laughs> I mean, bliss. Listen, you don't you don't stay married forty years without some suffering. Well, I feel lonely now. <laughs> Callie, what you going to say? <laughs> See? Wait till I get home. Here Moses was a shepherd in the desert. Forty years. And God said, you don't have something that you got to have if you're going to bear the fruit I want you to bear. 
And what you need is not taught in school. It cannot be taught in school. You need something called life experience and some how to learn to be a nobody. How to learn to be a nobody is what was going on there. The second person I noticed was Joshua. Now, Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. He was a much younger man than Joshua, or than, than Moses, Joshua was. And, 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 you know, maybe Joshua was thinking, well, Moses lost 40 years in the wilderness because he surely heard about it. But, but Joshua never, never dreamed he was going to lose 40 years in the wilderness also. Now, Joshua was destined by God to be the next leader after Moses. But Joshua didn't have enough growth downward, evidently, so God let him put another 40 years of the same kind of training, sleeping in tents, sleeping in a desert environment with animals, basically taking care of animals, a very humble thing. And Moses, you know, was one of the 12 spies. He went to the promised land. He saw the fruit. He ate some of the grapes. He saw the city. He said, we can take this. We came back. He came back. He was part of Caleb and him. said, we can do this. There's a God that's led us out of Egypt. Come on, people. We saw the 10 greatest miracles that ever demonstrated on earth. We've seen him by fire, by night, and cloud, by day. We know that he is a God that can dry up the water and let us walk upon cross on dry land. And then when the Egyptians to do that, they died in that Red Sea. We saw their bodies floating up on the shore. He provides food for us, manna called manna. What is it? Every day. You mean to tell me that we can't go into this place even though that there are giants in the land? You mean to tell me that God can't take care of those giants? He'd argued, and I'm sure that they represented that whole thing good, the children of Israel. I said, trouble with the committee. Ten of the committee said, I no way we can do that. They're going to eat us for lunch. No faith. And God said, you're going to wander 40 years in the wilderness until every one of these people die in the sand of the desert except for Joseph, Caleb, or Joshua, Caleb, and of course, even Moses had to die. And Aaron. 20-year-olds are going to get to go in, 20 and under, but not you folks. God had it right here. You know, there is an end of grace. Beware. And so we have Joshua here. He had a detour in his life. God had more training for him than he planned, I'm sure. He probably said, I'm ready, God. I'm ready. I can do it. And God said, no. It, it, was, something that, it was something to be noted that Joshua kept himself from getting bitter and angry at God. Remember, 40 years don't go like it's day after mundane day after mundane day after mundane day after mundane. You're getting tired of that. Try to put yourself in their, in their shoes. But what happened to Joshua while he was in the wilderness? He grew downward. Time aged his leadership ability. Time deepened his determination and his endurance. Time tempered his sword of patience. He grew downward. And as you know, he bore fruit upward. Thirdly, we see the guy Joseph. 
Most of you know the story of Joseph. As a young man, he was told by God in a dream that he would eventually be the leader of his entire family, including his dad, Jacob, which is real, real strange. The problem with Joseph is he couldn't shut up. He should have never told anybody that dream because they call it base jealousy. There was just a basic jealousy among his brothers that they were going to be subservient to their younger brother, which was already favored by his dad, which already created enough jealousy having this coat of many colors. The rest of them wore an old drab coat. That's a good lesson for you parents, by the way. Don't don't create that in your own family. And so Jacob had, that was not wise of Jacob to do that. And so the brother said, well, they, they connived this plan. We're going to sell him. We'll sell him. Well, actually, we're going to kill him. And then they, uh, they sold him as a slave. So remember now, I want you to take you back to this. Joseph didn't know the end of the story, right? He didn't know that. He was sold as a slave, went to Egypt to shorten this whole thing down for 17 years. He suffered disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. He, was, he had a pretty good job, and this guy that bought him his house, he was head over the whole house, and the guy's wife set his eyes on him, and he, he ran, and then she lied about him, and they put him in prison, and then he's in prison. A couple guys have, have some dreams. He interprets them, and they think, would you remember me before Pharaoh? Because really, I'm in prison unjustly here. And then they forget about him a couple years. Remember, two years is one mundane day. Not every day is mundane, but when you're in prison, it's mundane. When you're out there in the sand of the desert, it's mundane. No TV, no cable, no iPhone, no, no cell phone. Now, some of you young people can wonder, how, how could you survive without a phone? You know, we ought to have a, I got a good idea. We ought to have a phone fast here at the gospel. A phone fast where you put your phone, turn it off. It hasn't been turned off in so long. It probably needs to be turned off so the program will clean it up. Turn that thing off, and for one whole week, you never look or answer. You don't answer your phone. You don't look at your phone. You're off the grid. A hospital will be full. You'd actually have to socialize. I love seeing people go to the restaurant, four people go to the restaurant, and they're all, all four on their phones, and all four. And you know, I can't say I've been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. How many here have been guilty of that? Raise your hand, confess it before. Oh, that's amen. God bless you. Sad, isn't it? So you got Joseph, 17 long years, not a little hint that he was going to be free. Not a little hint. What was God doing? The big picture is he was putting, taking root downward so that he could have fruit upward. That was where it was at. It's God's growth plan. He's not going to let you have a bunch of fruit upward if you don't have any roots. You're going to fall over. I told you a story over and over again about trying to accelerate the growth of a tree. I had an oak tree, and I thought, I'm going to pour, I'm going to pour the fertilizer. And I did. I poured the fertilizer on that thing. It grew like crazy and then fell over. What I learned about the best oak tree there is is not an oak tree you buy and plant. 
The best oak tree is the one that grows from a seed where it's at. When you have a hurricane come by, those ones you put in the pot and put them down, somehow or another, they don't have the root system as that seed did. And when you have a hurricane, them ones you put in a pot, even five years later, they blow over. But that one you put in a seed, it'll break off. But it ain't going to blow over. Why? Root system's better. It had roots from the day one, put it down there, got, got hooked around those rocks. We, those are those trees along the edge there. They're all hooked around them rocks, man. And guess what God was doing? I've said this a little this phrase before. These, these three people I mentioned were nobodies, really, that learned to be somebodies that thought they were nobodies. You got that? They were nobodies that God made them somebodies that thought they were nobodies. And that's, that's God's leadership program. He doesn't want to promote somebody. You know what the guy that scares me is the guy that comes into me and he says, hey, man, I got this together. I got this talent. Everything I do turns to gold and all that. I'm, I'm scared of that person. The person I'm not scared of comes in and says, I can't do this. I don't believe I got the talent to do this. I don't have the voice to do this. That's Jimmy Not. I love that, Jimmy. I love it when a guy tells me that. I thought, boy, you're going to be a great leader. God, you got, because God wants nobodies that are somebodies that think they're nobodies. And that's what he did with Moses. That's what he did with Joshua. And that's what he did with Joseph. How about you? How about you? Are you waiting on God asking him to? You may be a young person in this room say, God, this isn't opening the door for me. Just wait on the Lord. Get busy in the local church. It's what I, what I did. And just be busy about the work of God. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. And just do it. And just be content with where you are. And be content with who you are. And maybe God could be, by the way, growing you down so someday he could give you another, another job and exalt you maybe to the high position of bus captain. Oh, yeah, you don't get better than that. You don't get better. The next position from bus captain is heaven. You're going to the highways and hedges to compel them to come in. Boy, oh, boy. But you find your niche and God raises you up and puts you in it. Brother, you stay in it and don't go anyplace else till God says so. When God opens a door that no man can shut, walk right in it. But if God shuts a door that no man can open, don't open it until God opens it. Psalm 27, 14 says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalm 37, 34, Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee and inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Psalm 37, 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him that who, who, who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Just trust God. Isaiah 40, 31 has been one of my favorite passages of, of my life. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Some of the lowest times of my life I've gone to those passages and said, God help me. 
barren root downward, oftentimes painful. But it's beautiful when it comes time to bear fruit upward. To bear fruit upward. Find God's find God job that you can do for God, do it with all your heart and waiting on Him to do whatever else. I think of Jeff Larson. Jeffrey Larson took a job here as a financial, like Mrs. Moses at, and a CFO. I give him a big title for very little money. But you get a big title. Chief Financial Officer. I mean, you can go around, sign your paper, CFO. And... Uh, that's what Jeff Larson did. We didn't have anybody to do it, did we, Jeffrey? And Jeff came up and said, are you, guys, are you guys looking for a financial guy? I said, we're looking for somebody, anybody. <laughs> anybody. He says, I qualify. And so for how many years? Seven years or so? Five, six, seven years, he, he did the books and all that. And just after that, he bought a motorhome. That bothered me a little bit, but... <laughs> I didn't know this, but one of Jeff's life dreams was to be in a quartet. That was one of his life dreams. Well, he was old already. You were, you were past your prime, I mean. <laughs> but Jeffrey was pretty old, I mean, and all of a sudden the Calvary Quartet came by and they said, well, we, we're looking for a bass singer. I didn't even know he could sing. He was a nobody who learned to be a somebody that thought he was a nobody. And God's put him all over the country and been able to go to all these different churches and bless the socks off being the court of Calvary Quartet. He's really become well-known. And he can take it now. Because he bore fruit, he bore root downward before he bore fruit upward. May God help you get it. Father, help us today. We get this simple, simple principle. <laughs> Anything but easy for sure. It's not easy. Pray, Lord God, that there be some in this room that know not Jesus, their personal Savior, that they would come to him with all their heart and all their soul and all their mind and say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner unable to save myself. I believe, Jesus, you died for me with burial and rose again the third day. And you became sin for me. That's what the Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21. Became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Oh, come now, Father. Anoint this group and those listening in, that they may understand your method and your way, and not jump ship too early. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.